0: Sungmin is on the faculty at the Asia Pacific Center for Security Studies on the island of Waikiki. He also may be the most interesting man to have graced the China Talk Airways, having biked from Nanjing to Beijing, as well as the full length of the China DPRK border, done field research in the Chaosian Autonomous Region, served in the Korean Army in Kurdistan, and worked in the Beijing office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees for the Protection of North Korean Defectors. Sugman is here in his personal capacity, not representing his organization or any other. Same goes for me. What I say here does not reflect the views of the Rhodium Group, where I work as a China Tech analyst. And co-hosting today will be Eineke Raikkonen. A researcher at CNAS, Enoch Lee, uh, I have been watching the newest season of Drive to Survive the past few days, and seeing your very distant relative do uh, a halfway decent job is always fun. Thanks to CNAS for sponsoring this episode. Sugman and Enoch welcome to China Talk. Great. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, Jordan, thanks for hosting. It's great to be a co-conspirator, I know, your brainchild. I was curious how um, South Korea is approaching this new technological landscape in Recent years, it seems that the U.S. has sort of rediscovered its footing as a player in that hot topic term, great power competition. And so you're seeing the U.S. being a little bit more forward. And obviously, this has global implications. How is South Korea reacting to this new U.S. policy posture?
2: Finally, what should come is coming that China has been rising for decades. From South Korean perspective, we have seen this drama before. When there is a rising power, dominant power, they are on the course to conflict, as it happened with the imperial Japan and China at the end of 19th century. Russia also intervened in the affairs of Korean Peninsula, conflicting with Japan. So all the time while China was rising, we anticipate this day will come. And then finally, it is coming more and more clearly with the new administration emphasizing alliance and democracy and human rights. The pressure was well anticipated that the more the U.S. wants to work with ally, ironically, that means that South Korea will be pressured to give a clear answer that are you a U.S. ally or not in the game of strategic competition?
1: Um, that's a really interesting point about having to make a choice one way or another. And I do wonder if there are ways that in the United States we can soften rhetoric or make it more palatable to navigate some of the complexities of these relationships. And speaking of multilateralism, we're seeing growing resurgence of interest in quad states to do more collaborations and also broadening some of their areas of interest. And so thinking about not just maritime security, but also cyber and other areas. Do you see a role for Korea in terms of relationships with the Quad or watching it warily? What are you seeing as some of the reactions?
2: Yes, South Korea is uh, one of the most vibrant economy, given its economic size, I think 10 or 12th largest economy, and also 10th uh, largest military. So South Korea should be regarded and should regard itself as one of global power, middle power, but global power. There are plenty of rooms how South Korea can contribute to promoting rule-based order and cybersecurity or vaccine rolling out. But South Korea is very careful about joining the Quad in the sense that it may be a coalition of willingness against China. So avoiding that perception, South Korea will be eager to contribute to cybersecurity, or pandemic, or vaccine efforts, but still very careful about military aspect.
0: Sungmin, let's take this back to whichever dynasty you feel fit. We're airing this episode one after talking to Odd Westad about his recent book where he boiled down 1,300 years of Korean Chinese history into 200 pages. And the tension that Korea has of managing and balancing the their relationship with with China and and being able to figure out how to stay independent all these years, which is not... Perhaps what you would have bet on the most likely outcome if you were looking at the first few years of the Mongol Empire or what have you. This is not a new challenge for various Korean empires and the modern Korean nations. What about that book do you think stuck out to you about lessons from history coming about how South Korea is thinking about this relationship?
2: Yeah, no, it is fascinating how the Korean peninsula got, got out of that the story of the 600 years that South Korea was in the sphere of Chinese influence all time. But for the last hundred years, it was the first time that Korean Peninsula, especially South Korea, was out of that, that the Chinese sphere of influence in terms of that South Korea looks to the U.S. to learn about the new way of life and the new model of governance and the new model of development and so on. Before that, it was always uh, uh, South Korean people look to China to follow the best model of development or governance. But for the last hundred years, it is a historical breakaway actually. So that affects a lot Korean people's, especially South Korean people's mentality that we don't need to look to China anymore. We have to pave our own way and looking for the best way of development and governance, whether it's from the West or the U.S. So first time that we Korean people see beyond the China model and the Chinese culture, that happened for the last 50 to 100 years. Yeah. And it's interesting thinking about that in the
0: Quad context, like Japan stopped doing this a thousand years ago, Australia has never done it, India has never done it, I don't, and, and the U.S. as well. The sort of like level of cultural and economic influence that various Chinese empires have had on these countries is just completely not comparable to the level of uh, influence that Korea has received over the preceding centuries.
2: Yeah, uh, but speaking of Japan-China relationship, although, like I said, Korean people totally break away from that old thinking that uh, we should learn from China everything that kind of uh, old mentality we have we broke away long time ago still we are very realistic that China is the neighbor that is connected on the land Japan has a luxury called the stopping power of ocean the stopping power of water Uh, but Korean peninsula is connected to the land and and the economy is much more dependent so we always have to careful about what is China's intent, what is China's capability to shape South Korea's policies and foreign policy behavior.
0: Speaking of Chinese intentions in the Korea-China land board, one of your past main research efforts has been looking at Chinese thinking with regards to how the PRC would respond in event of uh, reunification. I love your work because there was a lot of work that went into it. I read far too few papers which take the methodology that you do, basically spending time on CNKI and reading what Chinese academics are saying about these sorts of questions. So maybe before we jump into this, Sunwin, do you want to give the pitch for young China scholars out there that it's important to read Chinese think tank and Chinese academia talking about these topics? Because someone say, oh, it's all censored. There's no use in in, in, in reading this stuff. It's boring and not well-written or what have you.
2: Yeah, it is true that topics sensitive like the future of North Korea, it is heavily censored in Chinese academic environment. So by far, I found that there are rich literature about chinese thinking about korean unification but many researchers they ground their arguments based upon their long time study of chinese politics they would say or their network of chinese scholars based upon their interviews but all those evidence uh, if they claim like that it is not replicable uh, using academic terms other researchers cannot really verify whether you are lying or not, with a good intention, researchers, we believe each other when they say I interview this one and this one. So I make this argument. But yet again, when there is a rich discourses printed out there already, why don't don't we make use of those Chinese discourses first, and then get to interview to really dig out what do you mean by this and that but that the rich information already available out there has been Very understudied.
0: And there's just such a skewed sample, right? There are thousands of academics who are writing and publishing out there who don't think it's fun to talk to foreigners or have no interest in engaging and taking your meeting when you're flying in or live in a second or third tier city where you're probably not going to visit. So... Um, in complete agreement here, Sangmin, That's it's something that should be done more of people trying to understand Chinese intentions.
2: Yeah, uh, so there is a the problem of self-censorship self, uh, as well, even if you have a chance to interview some people. So my suggestion is that, of course, whatever is printed in China is after censorship. But what has been published at the least, what that means is that the idea that was contained in the publication has been approved by the party censorship so with the caveat that what we read from the chinese text is after the censorship but still if we find any useful information from the publication that means at least the party is fine with that idea to be discussed so instead of jumping to the conclusion any publication in china is censored so it may be of little use instead of that we first check If there is anything interesting then that should be really interesting because the party already approved that means party also think about that idea inside and one of that example is when it comes to korean unification Uh, i was surprised to read the text that many chinese researchers they write that if something happens in north korea then the us forces korea can play a role under the multilateral setting like the United Nations. So unlike conventional wisdom that uh, if something happens in North Korea, then there will be a war between PLA and the US forces Korea. So there, there should be that kind of argument in China. But at the same time, we read that some people hint that the PLA can work together with US versus Korea for a limited goal for a limited time. So when I read that kind of statement from the publication, that was very striking, because the fact that it was published means that the party officials are fine with that idea.
1: Yes, I think that's a really interesting point that you can even look at the filter, whether that's unofficial or self-censorship as a tool, actually, to find interesting tidbits and research. This is not a parallel, but even here in Washington, on China, there seems to be the sliding scale whereby people judge others and themselves if someone is being hawkish or dovish or not. And so knowing where a person is coming from or why they might position themselves in such a way. I think using this idea of going back through the filter to see what the intent is as it gets on the page is a really interesting concept.
2: Also, another caveat is that the range of censorship is also moving target. Sometimes the window of opportunity for Chinese researchers to write something sensitive can open widely. But depending on the, the situation, sometimes there is a heavy censorship. So the censorship itself is constantly moving. When it seems like there was an opening in censorship, and then there is a publication about sensitive stuff like North Korea's future or the future of Chinese democracy, we are, the researchers should be busy to collect all the documents <laughs> before it is closing out again. What's your backup method of choice? For the academic publications, I can download PDF. For the so many news articles, they are blocked frequently or they move their site, website to somewhere else. So what I do is that I print in PDF format so that I can keep the website information.
0: Yeah. I have another suggestion for everyone out there. There is a Wayback Machine add-on in Chrome which allows you, if you do one click, it makes the Internet Archive scan that page, and then it lives on the Internet Archive forever. Yeah, check it out. This is, I'm bringing the gems here. This is why folks listen. Also, even if something disappears from WeChat, oftentimes the article will live on in another random corner of the Chinese internet. So even if you forget to do the thing which I just told you to do, which is the internet archive thing, but you still know the headline of the article, I would not give up hope, but instead just try to throw that in Google or Baidu and see if it turns up any hits.
1: I've heard recently, too, now that military-civil fusion is a hot topic here in Washington, that plenty of material is suddenly vanishing. And for a lot of us in um, China policy world, that'll be an everyday resource, I'm sure, to just be able to one-click and save it for perpetuity.
0: There's perma.cc, which I think is the paid version. Like, sometimes it doesn't work. You have to click two or three extra times. But yes, incredibly useful. I'm still working on my whole knowledge management universe. Like, I kind of use pile for pdfs but i'm not super happy on it because it doesn't have a good pdf reader anyways it's a it's a work in progress we'll wait for whoever evernote rome notion if any of you guys want to sponsor china talk i will be sure to (laughs) take your knowledge management tool up as my as my future solution um a handful of times in recent history leaders from the dprk have gone on grand tours of china where chinese leaders have basically tried to show them look, reform and opening? Incredible. Look how rich we are. Like, you can do this too. Um, What what is the fundamental contradiction in the way that the North Korean state is set up nowadays to make that sort of leap uh, a bridge too far for the DPRK and being able to follow in in Dung's footsteps?
2: I think it is a really important question because when we talk about the denuclearization of North Korea, so how much do you think North Korea... Kim Jong-un is willing to give up his nuclear weapons. Then many people talk about security concern, but it also gets to the probability that you believe that to what extent North Korea is likely to follow the footstep of Chinese economic reform and opening. The more you believe that North Korea has such a chance, then the more you are likely to support engagement instead of maximum pressure. To give North Korea a chance, So the argument from that camp in South Korea, those who support the Sunshine policy, their assumption is that North Korea wants to follow the footstep of Chinese economic reform and opening. But because of their security concern from the U.S. forces Korea, they have to develop nuclear weapons for their self-defense, and also they are isolated. So the argument is that we have to give some security assurance to Pyongyang and then support their economic development so that they can start their own uh, economic reform and opening like China and Vietnam did. That logic looks possible. China could do that. Vietnam could do that. But the difference is that China did not have South China, or Vietnam unified already. They didn't have a South Vietnam, but for North Korea, they have South Korea. So if we look back the experience of Chinese economic reform and opening, so for economic reform, it is inevitable that you have to do political reform as well. So that's what exactly Deng Xiaoping did. In order to revitalize the economic players and incentivize their entrepreneurship, the government under Deng Xiaoping, they had to re-centralize power from center to province, giving decision-making power from communes to individuals, so that individuals, they feel more motivated to increase their production. And also ideological relaxation as well, so that instead of spending so much time on studying communism, People actually go outside and work and make money. North Korea could not really relax political control, which is really a requirement for the economic development. And also, if we talk about economic opening, which is inviting foreign investment and then supporting joint venture between local companies and then Western companies, the regime has to allow its people to interact with foreigners so that the people can learn from foreigners, the, the advanced technology. So North Korea needs to open up. But by doing so, it is inevitable that the information from outside will be flown in systematically with economic reform and open. And then they will be really threatening for Kim family regime because the Kim family regime just told so much lie, lie a lot. The, the state narrative that South Korea is just a puppet of the American imperialism and then South Korean people do not live independent life and that kind of narrative will be broken. North Korean people will learn that their brothers and sisters in South, they succeed in industrialization and more importantly, democratization. So the Kim family regime cannot afford to allow that penetration of that external information, which will surely happen if North Korea follows the experience of Chinese reform and opening
0: two two points on that first there's 1976 but there's also 1989 and you know it was a it was a close run the chinese communist party almost didn't pull it off of being able to do both glasnost and perestroika at the same time
2: when that happened in 1989 taiwan was still also under the uh, military dictatorship yet it was before taiwan's uh, democratization so taiwan could not really challenge in terms of ideology yet and also taiwan is a small country to influence what is happening in Beijing at the time. But think about South Korea, the size of North Korea and South Korea. If something similar 1989 happened in Pyongyang, then it's a totally different story. South Korea, US and the whole international community can easily influence and will influence. So really Kim family regime cannot really take that risk. Sure. My, my other point coming
0: out of that conversation is speaking of North Koreans who are able to see the outside world, both you and I, Sungmin, spent time on a Peking University campus where there were a few dozen North Koreans who, I guess, had parents who are doing pretty well for themselves and they're getting some of the best educations in the world. I'm curious if you had any interaction with those folks in your time in China or, or in and what any reflections you had about the experience of elite North Koreans studying abroad.
2: Yeah, I lived in an old dormitory called Shaoyuan. Now, the Peking University has a new dormitory for foreign students. But I lived in an old dormitory. I lived in the third floor, and the second floor, there were a bunch of North Korean students. So it was just literally, I stepped down one stair below, then I could talk with them. But I refrained from doing that because I have many good friends who defected from North Korea and now live in South Korea. In South Korea, I can have an honest conversation with North Korean defectors, how they feel about how they felt when they lived in North Korea, how they feel now when they live in South Korea and so on. So learning and hearing from them, I know that North Korean people in Beijing, it is a pressure for them if I speak to them and if I try to open up them. I could try. I can try to invite them for beer and then try to have some conversation. And then I anticipate if we develop some kind of human relationship, I can start ask questions that I can seek his or her honest opinion. But even that's unfair pressure for them and risky for them as well. When I already have that kind of experience with North Korean defectors who are free to talk about North Korea, I was consciously not to really try to avoid them, but I didn't really try. Instead, I went a lot to the North Korean restaurants in Beijing, inviting my foreign friends to. It was a um, good opportunity to feel the North Korean culture today. They still sing the 1980 or 70 type of songs from South Mm -hmm. Korean perspective. The one thing that I observed was the South Koreans all play
0: baseball and the North Koreans play soccer. So anyways, take that for what you will. Um, Maybe it's
1: another sign of American imperialism. Oh, 100%. 100%.
0: 100%, (laughs) Right? More broadly, Min, what are Korean scholars of China interested in? What are the sort of hot topics and what do you think is, is neglected in the Korean academic literature that tries to grapple with the Chinese state?
2: There is a lot of research Uh, ongoing, but mostly focusing on policy and then everyday challenge in between South Korea and China, how China is thinking about North Korea, what is China's position or policy about North Korea's denuclearization, or the bilateral issues between South Korea and China, like the Chinese naval activities in the Yellow Sea, or we call West Sea. Uh, or history debate so all kinds of bilateral issues but I like to argue that South Korean researchers also need to look beyond bilateral issues and then have a pure research academic interest about the future of China, the Chinese government or the future of the, the regional order or just a look beyond the future of Korean peninsula and China and then see more holistically. But in a way, understandable. Every day, North Korea poses existential threat to South Korea and China's a big part of that. There is a need for focusing on those topics, but we may need to look beyond.
0: So, Sugman, you certainly practice what you preach in that regard, having written your thesis on the Chinese relationship to Western democratization efforts. And I'm just going to pose the question that you posed yourself. Why has the Chinese side deliberately opened society to the influence of Western democracy programs, despite the worry that Western ideas could undermine the legitimacy of the CCP?
2: Yeah, I have to correct one thing that there was a that time that they were open. But now, of course, after Xi Jinping, they closed down again. Yeah, so that started from my, my experience in Peking University, the the reason why I, I decided to go to China to learn about China from China. So we know that Chinese economy has been developing very fast. And then I was very curious when Chinese people are much richer, they are much well connected with outside world, then inevitably, of course, they learn about American democracy and they can compare their way of life and their way of government with Western liberal democracy, then don't they want to also have that kind of democracy in their country? so later i I learned that it is a part of theory called modernization theory. When there is an economic development, then it w- it will be followed by political democratization along with the rise of middle class, the more education and people more desire for democracy and freedom. So in the end, they want democracy. So that kind of theory. So I was curious to see that. And then when I went to China, it was 2008, and I was lucky. Now I know that it was almost the end of what Min Shinpei says, the golden era. Min Xinpei is a a very influential scholar in China studies. And in his recent uh, writing, he recalled that before Xi Jinping, it was still the golden era, meaning that Communist Party tolerate a broad range of discussion about democracy, what it means democracy for China. How if it is not Western liberal type democracy then what it should be. So there was a that time and then I joined Peking University when there was a that lively discussion about that topic. Because of the party's relatively tolerating position, there were ample space that Western democracy related programs can operate. For example, American Bar Association, they run program to promote rule of law in China. And also Carter Center and the International Republic Institute, they also run program to promote and support China's surprisingly free and liberal election at the village level. So there were many programs that were going. So the Chinese Communist Party, they were interested in learning some practice of democratic governance within the system of one-party ruling. And also by the time 2008 and 2010, Chinese scholars, they also theoretically developed an idea that under the one-party system, China can still try to be democratic, meaning that by promoting rule of law and also election at the lowest level, not the highest level, but still elections and also developing good governance, listening to people's grievances more, developing those channels, and also encouraging the growth of civil society. So rule of law, election, civil society, all these are the the features of democratic society. So at the time, the CCP leaders and scholars, they believed that without changing the non-democratic system, they can still function as a, a democracy, meaning that they reflect people's uh, interests and voices. The result was that it was very successful, so people really start to demand the change of the system. So that was the breaking point that, well, we re-liberalized too much, we need to tighten the control again, and that explains the rise of Xi Jinping as an authoritarian leader.
1: That's a really tough proposition to crack the door open and tell people that your opinions might count, your will might be influential, and then to say, we're just kidding, and we wanted to try this out, and it's not working. Do you think this stimulated the appetite, perhaps, to have more opening? Will it backfire in that sense that now that people have had a taste that they might want more? Do you think tougher restrictions are here to stay?
2: The Xi Jinping regime enacted the Foreign NGO Law in 2017, precisely to crack down those Western programs that try to spread some democratic practices. Although initially it was the, the Ministry of Civil Affairs, the government itself invited them, but now uh, the change of position. I believe many Chinese officials who used to work with them or scholars, they still want to continue collaboration with Western organizations, but. Uh, it is the low from the top and then back to my experience at peking university so i just told you that i arrived in china almost at the end of that liberalization period so in 2009 one year later i arrived in, in beijing facebook is blocked and then google decided to withdraw in 2010 youtube is blocked and then finally gmail was blocked in 2014. so every time when something is blocked from facebook to youtube to google I was shocked. I was just posting something on my Facebook in my dormitory and it was just blocked next day. If such thing happened in South Korea or the US, can you imagine the government just blocked Facebook? It's just unimaginable yeah so i was talking about this episode about facebook being blocked and youtube being blocked but there was no response from my chinese friends at all they just accepted it as part of life okay that happens then i have to live with that so to your question if there was any backlash from the cracking down of the foreign NGOs, no just people have to live with that it's the order directive from the government i cannot tell how how they are frustrated, but they cannot express.
0: The one point I'll make on this is that it's interesting that I think Tony Lin made this point on Twitter that in 2008, 2009, something disappearing from Weibo or getting blocked, like that was a big deal. And now it's, oh, wow, this isn't blocked yet. Coming back to our initial conversation, right? Like the, the fact that just in just 10 years, the sort of presumption has been that nothing sensitive lives on the Chinese Internet. And what is considered sensitive is a larger and larger Pie of sort of human discourse. I see how you Joe the podcast a catcher, which I used to listen to my Chinese comedy podcasts. I searched Zhongmei U.S. China on their search bar after Alaska after Anchorage, figuring oh like this would be cool. I wonder if there's literally any show which is talking about this sort of stuff, and that was a blocked search. China, America was a blocked search. And it's a sad state of affairs when we're reaching that.
1: The ultimate form of decoupling where we can't even talk about it anymore.
2: There were so many eye-opening moments when I lived and studied in China. And I'm really satisfied with my decision that if I'm going to study China first, I need to spend some time and live there and making friends and then travelling there was one night that i hang out with my chinese classmates and over some baijiu we drink some liquor and then start have some lively debate about the future of china and chinese democracy those are the very smart peking university students and they start complaining that the usual criticism that we can expect in the west that they they are saying that the communist party is dictatorship they are repressing the freedom of speech and freedom of gathering and then the communist party really should move on to multi-party system and so on and i was really surprised that actually this is really honest conversation that i could imagine that maybe they are having this conversation and now they are really having this conversation in front of me so I was uh wow, they really have this conversation. And I was excited. And I also support their statement that almost repeating exactly what they said. I said, the party is uh, too, old, too much authoritarian. You guys need to move on to multi-party system someday, like Taiwan does. And then uh, Hong Kong shows. You can also live like that. And then my Chinese friends' reaction was, they look angry. And then they tell me that you cannot say that. But I said, I just repeat exactly what you said. Why Mm. are you criticizing me when I just repeat what you exactly said? And then they told me uh, with an analogy, which was really uh, persuasive. My friend told me, so imagine that you complain about your parents in front of your friend, that my mother is so old fashioned. My father is too authoritarian. I don't like my parents. If I can choose, I like to have a different parents. And your friend really the the friend that you trust the friend who cares about you say exactly the same thing yeah i think your father is too authoritarian your mother is old-fashioned you you should change your parents then how would you feel about that that's exactly the mentality later i learned that which is conceptualized as a, a liberal nationalist at university of denver so In the West, we often assume that Chinese students are are more educated, they are more well-connected, so they should be liberal, and they should have more democratic ideas. Correct. And then our assumption is that because they now have more democratic ideas, then they should be more internationalist. That is not correct. So our assumption that if they are liberal, then they should be internationalist. That does not work. With the mentality that I just explained, Many Chinese young uh, generation, they are liberal and nationalist, something yeah. always confused outside observers. But just speaking back to what's
0: happening with the Chinese Internet getting really mad at H&M and Zara and uh, Nike for saying that they're not using Xinjiang cotton, I'm in no way going to justify using <laughs> Xinjiang cotton. But the sort of defensiveness that you see, or the rally around the flag types, it's always hard to when you look at these questions, there's no polling. Right. And the discourse is so narrow. And even sungman talking with your friends, maybe you would be okay with your friend criticizing your parents if your sibling wasn't next to you. But there's just so many personal dynamics of challenges of observing to what extent this stuff is genuine versus mm-hmm. put on for a sort of national or international audience, which is which is really something. I have a hard time believing that people really think that because there was slavery in America and because we had Jim Crow then that makes it okay to have forced labor in Xinjiang, which is the current line that you see out of some state media.
2: But that happened before when Holocaust was discovered. Germany citizens, they were shocked. Although now history remembers that that was what Germany did. But even the ordinary citizens in Germany, they were shocked too. They were in the dark about what the Nazi government was doing. It, It may not be that surprising that Chinese ordinary citizens, they never heard of that kind of testimony from the inmates from the concentration camp in Xinjiang and so on. On, on that, Sungmin, uh, you've recently done some research
0: looking at the influence of the Soviet gulag system on the way that the DPRK treats its prisoners. Can you talk a little bit about the intellectual connection between the two regimes?
2: Yeah. After the end of Korean War, of course, North Korea desperately needs Soviet help to rebuild the country. And then they also imported the gulag system to control the population. So there is some similarity in historical origin. The difference was that the gulag in the Soviet Union also has an economic function. The inmates in in the concentration camp in the Soviet Union, they were mobilized for the national industrialization projects. The same thing happened with North Korea, but the difference is the three generations of the criminals should be punished together. So that concept was not there in the Soviet gulag, but it was uh, implemented in the North Korean version of Gulag because it is one of the, the Confucius tradition that once a family member commits a crime, then the whole family has a bad blood and they should be punished together. That kind of tradition is wow. implemented in modern North Korea. So cultural and also some historical origin make North Korean prison system a little bit unique with that the punishment with connection to family.
0: You follow Chinese, North Korean, American, and and South Korean politics. I'm curious if you have a favorite or a least favorite, or is there anything interesting about your emotional relationship to studying politics in all these different places?
2: yeah let me exclude american politics first because as an employee of us dod i am supposed to be apolitical of course i have a lot to talk about american politics but let me skip to chinese politics my first instinct when i went to china still remains the same that with economic development with the rise of middle class with the improvement in educational level with more connection chinese people naturally we'll have more desire for freedom and autonomous life. And then it is unfortunate that I believe the party was in good position to make some decision to look gradually transition to a multi-party system like Chang Chinguo did in Taiwan. So there is, a, there is a research in political science that when the ruling party in communist or socialist country, the ruling party is popular, then they have a room to initiate and start transition to a multi-party system. That's the history of Taiwan and South Korea. Also, in 1987, the ruling party continued to win the election after democratization. So it is about political courage, but unfortunate that the regime could not continue the the liberalization policy for a good reason. I, I, I understand it can be very dangerous for their regime legitimacy, but at the same time, they could keep trying if they have imagination. The party was very popular, is still popular in China. If they have courage, they can try to move towards. So I feel a little bit of uh, uh, disappointment and also still have a hope that the force uh, from the bottom civil society yearning for more open and democratic society in China will only be strengthened so i'm looking forward to see how the chinese politics will play out north korean politics is always fun it's dramatic but it is a serious security threat threatening the lives of my friends and my parents in seoul so it is not fun so if i were not from south korea it would be really intellectually enjoyable to think about what would be the best strategy to persuade or pressure Kim Jong-un. But at the same time, it is very serious problems, depressing many times.
0: Sungmin so, and aineke thanks so much for being a part of China Talk.
1: Thanks so much, Jordan.
3: 감키면 둘이 만들었던 세계도 더 작아질 텐데 그리움만 꽉 차겠지 지루한 하루들을 보낸 후 보름다 하늘에 뜰 때쯤에 yeah 우린 하나라고 떠들고 다닐 때만 해도 너는 너고 나는 나라는 게 이렇게도 명확해질지 몰랐어 서로 생각할 시간 시간 초과 때 깊은 더 지나면 서로 돌아오를 곳도 못해 난 지금 동기호태처럼 정체 없이 네 사랑을 꿈꾸네 난네 눈만 봐도 텀빈이 밤을 다 채워